Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, it's been an exciting week already. Yes, it has. Yeah, I mean, always is. Elections are behind us, yeah. you know, and now we get to focus on our investments. We can forget about all the politics stuff and just focus on what matters, and that is your finances. Yeah, you know, the, the elections were noise. It was just it, noise. They always are. I mean, but then the media plays it up, and oh my goodness, it's what happens if this goes this way or whatever. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. That's exactly right. It doesn't, <laughs> and so that's behind us. You know, we we know nothing's going to be happening in Washington for two years. You know, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna be done, and nothing's gonna be undone. That's the good news. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, uh, gridlock. Um, you know, you look back at history, and I say it doesn't matter. Markets do well in a lot of different kind of conditions. Markets like certainty, and now we have certainty for two and a half years, for the I mean, two two years basically for the most part. So, hey, that's the good news. And uh, more good news is we're going to talk about some exciting things today. One of them is how to become a four hundred one k millionaire. Ah, you got the the recipe. We do. We have we have the recipe. Four steps, four ingredients. You put that in a pot. You let it simmer for a, quite a while, a and uh, yeah, you're going to be a four hundred one k millionaire. We have the secret. It's going. You want to stay tuned for this. It is a crock pot approach versus the microwave, as Dave Ramsey says. So exactly, but it's worked historically very well. And then we're going to dive into a really exciting topic, Steve: Social Security myths. It, Social Security is get you very, it does. It's just, it's just wonderful gives stuff. Gives you a tingle. It does. It does. But there are some things that you kind of want, you want to make sure that you do right with Social Security. It is a big deal. Most people don't realize how big of a percentage of people's income it is. And we're going to share that with you a little bit and also kind of talk about some different strategies that you should consider. You're right. It is a very big deal. So you want to pay attention to that great Great topic. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 23 years of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have the podcast up and running every Friday. And uh, we also have a link to the other ones. And oh, oh by the way, this is our 250th episode. It is. That's, That's a big right. Deal. That is a big deal. I mean, that is a quarter of a thousand or something. That's a lot. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we also, we've been doing this since 2011. So, um, you know, we have a lot of historical podcast out there. If you haven't yep. listened to them, go check them out. Uh, also have a, um, on the website, moneymd.net, a lot of videos, good information out there, Facebook page, Twitter, MoneyMD handle. So uh, check it out. Yeah, that's exactly right. And also we'd love to hear from you. You can link to us directly at, uh, off our website, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Send us your questions and we'll answer those on the show. Well, we're going to start off here, though, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from Personal Capital, and uh, millennials um, were born from 1981 to 1997, so they're 21 to 37 um, in 2018. That's their age bracket. And uh, there's about 40% of them which have accumulated no funds for retirement. Now, if you're on the front end of that, you know, born in 1997 and you're 21 years old, I get it. 37 years old, that's a problem. That's getting to be a little late. Yeah, it is time to get started with your 401k and retirement and, you know, Roth IRA. 
So you better get going if you're in that category. That's not a good number. No, it's not. And, um, you know, one of the things I think that, um, you know, it straps people is when they come out is they have a lot of student loan debt. So it's very difficult to, uh, to invest when you have a lot of debt sitting out there that's taking up your monthly payment. So be careful as you do planning for college. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of retirement and getting started, that's a great segue into our first segment here. And that is how to become a 401k millionaire. Yeah. Millionaire, like a million dollars in your 401k. Um, yeah, I mean, this is based on an article out of CNBC um, recently, Kelly Grant, talking about, uh, you know, there's a record number of 401k millionaires. Yeah, we see them come come through. I mean, we see people that have done this over time, and there, that's one way to do it, but there's another way as well, right? There's a lot of ways to do it, but you know, it, it reminds me of the first episode of the Beverly Hillbillies. Mm-hmm. Did you see that episode? I didn't. I've heard it, though. You have heard it. You have, in <laughs> fact. A couple times. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny how they, they talk about a million dollars here. I'm going to play a quick excerpt from it here. <laughs> and uh, whenever whenever Jed Clampett gets, he gets his land bought, mm-hmm. and uh, Aunt Pearl is asking him how much he got paid for it. So here we go. Stay tuned. Jed, Ellie May came running over to my place, and she said you sold the swamp to some oil company. Well, yeah, I guess I did. What did they pay you for it? Well, he ain't paid me nothing yet. That rooster fella said he'd bring the money later. Well, how much they gonna pay you? Well, uh, he said I'd depend some on how much oil they could pump out. Well, he must have mentioned some figure. What was it? Well, now, Pearl, you know that old swamp one where it shucks. Jade Clampett, you got slicked and you're ashamed to admit it. That's just what I told you. Granny, how much they gonna pay him? All right, I'll tell you. He said it runs somewhere between 25 and 100. 25 and 100? I know it don't sound like much, but Mr. Brewster seemed to set great store by the fact he's gonna pay me in some new kind of dollars. There ain't no new kind of dollars. Well, it's new to me. I've heard of gold dollars, silver dollars, paper dollars, but he says he's gonna pay me in, uh, what do you call them, Granny? Million dollars. <laughs> That's right. We're talking about millions of dollars millions, here. 25 to 100. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one way to get there. It's not very likely. No, that's not a very likely way to get there. But you know, one way you can get there, and there's still time for those millennials that haven't gotten started yet, and that is to start pumping money away in your 401k plan and making sure you don't make the wrong moves in there um, to derail that. So, I mean, we have great news, though, about 401k participants, John, over the past year. There are a record number of 401k millionaires now, up 41% from a year ago to 187,000 people that have over a million dollars in their 401k. And, you know, that's a lot of newly minted millionaires hitting the seven digits in the retirement plan. So the obvious question is, how do they do it and how do you become one of those people? And so we're going to answer that today. Um, But first, let's dive into these numbers a little bit. Um, The average 401k balance, John, is $106,000 now at the end of last quarter. That's a new high, according to Fidelity. It was less than half that number 10 years ago. And it was, and it's grown 2.4% 
over the last quarter. So, uh, you know, the average worker is making some great progress in saving for retirement. That's the good news. Yeah, the the number of 401k millionaires, Steve, like you said, is up 41%. But, uh, you know, the IRA millionaires is up about 25% over the same period. And um, the average IRA balance is about 111000 dollars, uh, and that's followed by 403B accounts, which now average about $85,000. So, you know, we, we do see people that have million dollars in 401ks and also in IRAs as well. So um, it, it is, it can, and it is being done by folks that follow this recipe. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, of course, those figures predate, you know, the volatility we've seen over the past month. Um, so that has pulled back a little bit, but you know, those averages are nearly double from where savers were a decade ago and at the start of the financial crisis. So the average employee contribution reached its highest level since 2006 at 8.7%. So you have to ask yourself, I mean, are you contributing more than the average employee, 8.7%, you know, because that's just average. Um, And that probably includes the match, Mm -hmm. I would suspect. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the total, 8.7%. But, you know, that's just average. So you obviously need to be doing better than average if you're going to hit the 401k millionaire status before you have to start taking distributions. Now, the bad news is that investors may find their retirement uh, balances look somewhat less record-setting after the recent volatility. I mean, the stock market lost about $2 trillion in value during October, um, according to the S&P Dow Jones indices. Um, also, I mean, the, the average high balance necessarily uh, means that the typical investor is on track for a comfortable retirement. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean they're on track for a comfortable retirement. You know, just because they have more money doesn't mean they have enough money and they're on track. Um, So a recent report out of Stanford Center on Longevity found that the median savings rate, including the employer contributions, are well short of what people should be socking away because if you're like most young people, you don't have a pension. And a million dollars just doesn't get it done in today's world. Yeah, that's right. In other words, don't be complacent about these records. Even when the, the news is that you know savers are doing better, take the time to check your plan and, and make sure you're on track because everybody's situation is different. It would certainly be a big mistake to think you're doing well just because the average person is doing better. You have to know your individual situation and what it's going to take to put you on track for a great retirement. So do some planning. Yeah, Fidelity's analysis points to a few trends that indicate consumers are making strides towards success in their retirement accounts. For one, more employees are using target date retirement funds in their portfolios, with 50.4% of 401k participants putting all of their assets in one target date fund. Um, Target date funds invest in a diversified mix of underlying funds and, and bond funds. And they have an allocation that gradually becomes more conservative as you approach retirement. You know, although they can be, um, they can be still beaten down a little bit into the market, you know, obviously because they're, they're invested in stocks. And they also tend to be a little bit too conservative for most people, John. So you need to make sure that your target date fund that you choose is appropriate for your goals. Make sure that it has a reasonable allocation. In fact, I sat down with somebody just last week, John, that had one. And it had like 49% in international stocks. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was way overweighted in international stocks. So it wasn't well allocated at all. So you can't take it for granted that it's going to have a great allocation in it. So pay attention to what's inside your target date fund. Um, 
So, um, but what are the secrets to amassing a million dollars or more in your retirement plan? How do you become a 401k millionaire? Well, here are four key concepts, key keys to reaching that elite status over time. Yeah, the first one is invest in stocks. I mean, if you're more than 10 years from retirement, you can afford to invest um, in all stock funds from a time horizon standpoint. And uh, equities have returned far more than fixed income over over the years. In fact, the S&P 500 has averaged about 10% per year over 80 years. Uh, and that's compared to only 4% for short-term government bonds and, and other fixed income. You know, and obviously, past performance doesn't guarantee the future results, but the stock market has a, has a good history. And um, you know, that difference between the, the stocks and the fixed income is uh, the difference between having millions in your retirement and also having some left over for your heirs um, as well. In fact, saving about $7,500 per year at a 4% return for 30 years versus 8%, in a retirement plan, looks like um, you know running out of money at age sixty-one versus having millions left over at age ninety-five, and so the results of getting stock market returns are, are really staggering, Steve. As we look over long periods of time, you have to take advantage of the stock market returns if you want to join uh, join the elites of the millionaire retirement plan. So, and we see that when folks come in, if they have yeah. a lot of stocks <clears throat> and they're a little bit older, most of them have done very well over time. Absolutely. Yeah, we run those retirement numbers all the time, too. And we can see the difference between making, you know, a 5% rate of return or making an 8% rate of return. The difference is absolutely huge. Um, So you have to get market rates of return. You have to invest in stocks if you want to get to the millionaire status, you know, over time. Um, That's a key component is getting a great return. So being diversified in, in the stock market is one of the keys. Another key, though, John, is saving 15% or more in your retirement plan and starting early with that. You know, most people think that they only need to put in enough to get their match. Unfortunately, you know, the average plan matches something like 50 cents on the dollar up to 6% of salary. So maybe 3%. Um, Many employees, they only put in 6% to get that 3% match, you know, like they do out at SRS. Um, you know, if you make $50,000 a year and you save 15% on that and you put it in, it gets 8% a year, then you're going to have over a million dollars in around 30 years after inflation. So, you know, you can get there. You don't have to be super rich. You can make $50,000, but if you put 15% away and you do that consistently over, over a few decades, you're going to be a millionaire, 401k millionaire. So um, that's the key. That's one of the big keys is saving 15% or more. Another key, though, John, is to stay diversified and don't time the market. One of the biggest mistakes we see people make over time is starting to think they can time the market. They can predict which asset class is the place to be in for the next year or next six months. Um, If you want to be successful, though, you have to resist this urge and you have to stay diversified you can derail your plan quicker than anything by sell, selling in a down market or by concentrating your investments over the next losing asset class. I mean, heck, the S&P 500 lost money for 10 years mm-hmm. from 2000 through 2009. So if you had only put it in the S&P 500, you would have lost money for 10 years. That would have derailed your retirement. Yeah, it's risky to have it so narrowly diversified. Yes, yeah, so you really need to have it spread out. That is one of the keys. And, and the last one here, Steve, is is don't borrow or withdraw from your 401k. I mean, this is the final key 
uh, to getting in that millionaire 401k club, um, just leave it alone. I mean, if you borrow from your 401k, then you're selling, setting yourself up to fail. And I know, you know, you have a plan to with pay it, uh, repay it within five years and you won't lose a thing if you do, but you know, life happens and, and often those loans don't get repaid due to a lot of different reasons. And so don't fall for that 401k loan trap. Once you open that door, it often becomes a never ending habit, um, that eventually ends up in default. And of course, the only thing worse than borrowing from your 401k is to withdraw it for a hardship withdrawal and taxes and penalties. Um, you're also putting money back in uh, at, at you know after-tax money back in, which is not good, and you're pulling part of that money out of the returns of the market. So just a bad idea. Don't see many people with you know million dollars in 401ks that have borrowed or withdrawn from their 401k. No, that is definitely one of the traps that can derail your your path to the millionaire 401k status. So, you know, those are the keys. I mean, if you really want to enter the ranks of the 401k millionaire club, you have to stick to your long-term strategy of staying diversified in the stock market in your 401k, consistently adding 15% or more to your account and leaving it alone. You follow these tried and true formula for, you know, for investing in your 401k plan that has produced hundreds of thousands of retirement plan millionaires and the ranks are rapidly growing. So you want to make sure you're one of those people going forward. So, all right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. This question actually um, comes from my daughter, Um, 24 years old. She just started working her first First job, she's still in grad school. She has a 401k at her new new job and has a Roth. Um, so her question was, is, you know, should I put all my money in the Roth uh, portion of the 401k versus a before-tax option? And uh, I obviously pointed her to the Roth piece of it. Um, her income is is low, lower than it's probably going to be in five years or 10 or 20. And so if you can start building up some of that Roth money, um, you know, when they match her, then that match is going to be before tax money. But all the money that she's putting in right now is a Roth. She doesn't get a tax break on it today. Right. But when she you know uses it, if she can get a million dollars in a 401k that's Roth money, there's zero taxes on that, which is beautiful. Absolutely. I love the Roth option. You know, I mean, <clears throat> taxes for the middle class really are some of the lowest tax rates we've seen in history, quite frankly. And, um, you know, so... It, it's a great time, I think, in history to forego that tax deduction today to make the money tax-free for the future mm-hmm. because tax rates are almost certain to be higher at some point in the future for you. So, yeah, I mean, put the money in the Roth 401k, get that to work for you tax-free, and eventually not only could you be a 401k millionaire, you could be a 401k tax-free millionaire. That's probably is not no one has that because the Roth yeah. hasn't been that has right. not been around in 401ks very long so that's right so I mean that to be that you know I mean that that is attainable that's, that's yes. attainable it and is. that is the ultimate for for young people is to get to a 401k millionaire status and have it mostly tax-free oh my goodness that yeah. would be fantastic so that's a great question of the week and that leads us up here to our next topic and that is the six social security myths that could make or break your retirement planning. Yeah, there's a lot of un, a lot of things people don't understand, a lot of nuances about mm-hmm. Social Security 
And I think this uncovers some of them. So it's a good topic. Yeah, this is an article from uh, Sharon Epperson and Laurie Konish from uh, CNBC. And you know, if you're like a lot of uh, retirees, your Social Security checks, um, you know, account for a large portion of your retirement income. But how well you understood the ins and outs of these benefits can can make a huge difference in how much you receive over your lifetime. And to that point, you know, about sixty nine percent of baby boomers, and that's a generation of individuals who are either in or approaching retirement. They expect, Steve, Social Security to be a major source of retirement income, and that's according to a recent report out of the uh, Retirement Institute. Yeah, you know, in contrast to that, only 28% of those surveyed expected employer pensions, the next source of major income, to provide a a significant chunk of their retirement pay. Um, Still, you know, I mean, many of the individuals out there making these decisions, they don't really understand the Social Security piece of it. They don't think that's going to be a significant piece in history and, and the statistics say otherwise. Yeah, so we're going to go through some of the, the top myths um, that we see out there. And the first myth is it's best to claim early. And, you know, Steve, a typical couple is going to receive potentially a million dollars in Social Security benefits over their lifetime. And, that's right. you know, that exceeds, you know, what a lot of people are able to save on their own. So chances are Social Security is the most valuable retirement benefit that you have. And to get the most value out of the benefits, sometimes it pays to wait. Now, not always, but sometimes it does. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are cases where I think it makes sense to to choose to receive your benefit early for sure, but you can't collect 100% of your benefit until you reach full retirement age. And that's 66 or 67, you know, depending on year which you were born. And your benefit increases by about 8% per year for each year you delay collecting up to age 70. So if you start collecting benefits at 62, you know, you're only going to get about 70% of your full benefit. Having said that, you know, if you're married, um, then if your spouse is receiving a smaller amount, it may make sense for her to draw her benefit or his benefit at age 62 and for the higher earner to draw their benefit later. Um, so there are some, some exa- uh, exceptions, exceptions yeah. to this rule. Yeah, yeah it's something you got to got to think through and, and do some planning on. So another one here is you have to claim benefits at retirement, and you, you don't necessarily have to start taking Social Security when you retire. Uh, you could retire at the age of 65 and still delay, you know, until 67 or 70. Um, but take note, it, it does not pay to delay beyond age 70 because your benefit no longer grows at that age. And uh, the Social Security decision really is driven in many, many ways by life expectancy. And, um, you know, we don't know that answer, right, going into it. If we did, we could, we know the exactly the right answer. But there's some planning strategies that for couples um, that make sense and it's something that you want to take a look at. Yeah, there's no perfect answer with Social Security because it is based actuarially on your life expectancy. And, you know, if you live to normal life expectancy, it works about the same um, if you draw early versus later, but there are a lot of practical things that apply in this situation. And again, if you're married and you have a younger spouse, then there are some things you can do that to your advantage. Um, but the point here is do some research around your family history, your lifestyle, your personal medical history, and you know don't confuse key age thresholds. Um, that affect you. I mean, at age 65 generally is the deadline when you have to make your, you have to decide on Medicare coverage. Um, but that's not the same as full retirement age. You know, full retirement age, as we mentioned, for Social Security, 
is 66 or 67 and it's getting to be more 67 mm-hmm. for for most people um <clears throat> you know as we move along and and um you know go up that that scale yeah yeah another myth steve here is marital status um doesn't matter and it definitely that's that's wrong it definitely plays a big role when you decide to take your benefits if you're married starting benefits earlier will also reduce the potential spousal or survival benefits uh, that your husband or wife were, is going to receive. So delaying claiming benefits until age 70 could result in as much as 40 to 50% increase in benefits for a surviving spouse. And, um, you know, the average length of widowhood is about 11 years. So uh, doing some some planning on that, if there's a big difference between incomes over time, that waiting for the, the person that has a bigger income can give the other spouse some some security. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's much more likely that one spouse is going to live um substantial amount of time uh you know without the other. I mean, that's just a statistical fact. You know, if you were born and if you were born before uh January 2nd, 1954, then your full retirement age um uh you are at full retirement age and you can take a spousal benefit and allow your own benefit to grow. Um, or your, your spouse can take a spousal benefit and then you can switch off to your own benefit, you know, which is a larger benefit down the road. So, so if you're one of the people that were born before 1954, um, you know, you still have that option, but for, if you were born after 1954, then you don't have that option anymore. Yeah. They made a change. I think it was probably two years ago to, uh, some of the, uh, the strategies. They took away some of the, the, the good things that we, we do occasionally. Divorce spou- spouses may still be able to collect benefits, um, on their ex, ex's work record, uh, provided they were married for at least 10 years and, uh, they are at least 62 year 62 years old. But if you remarry, you're no longer going to be eligible for those benefits. So it's another you know, uh, myth is that marital status does not matter, and it really, really does. Another one here is you can figure out this on your own. I mean, the difference between a good and bad uh, claiming decision can mean the difference of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars over the lifetime benefits. And um, again, if you live a, a long time frame, then it makes a bigger difference. Yeah, just moving a couple assumptions around can make hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference um, in the lifetime benefit that you get. So you need to consult Social Security Administration's website, you know, educate yourself on Social Security and what your options are, you know, talk to an advisor, somebody you trust that can can run you through your options and, you know, even use some software to help you plan for taking Social Security. Yeah, it can, it, you know, the, the planning piece of it, um, you know, it, it is complicated, um, so you got to do some some discussions on it. The big mistake is asking Uncle Harry at the family picnic what he did and then doing what he did. So it's going to be different for each person. So uh, make sure you, you get some help with that. Uh, it's a big decision. Another myth, Steve, is you can't change your mind. Um, you know, if you make a claiming decision you regret, you actually have a year, uh, up to a year to change the selection. Once that window, uh, one-year window goes by, it's very difficult to um, to make that change. So you do have an opportunity to reverse your decision. Um, keep in mind, um, you know, you could be reaping thousands of dollars in extra benefits if you decide to delay uh, your benefits instead. So there is an opportunity to reverse the decision. Yeah, but you'd have to pay all the benefits back that's in. That's right. Yeah, so that's, not easy. that's a caveat for some people. Small one, yes. Small one, yeah. And then <laughs> the next myth here, the last myth is your Social Security record is always accurate. Um, you know, it's not 
always accurate. And we've seen, you know, a lot of examples or several examples where there were inaccuracies in the record that people, um, you know, were positive that it was not accurate. So your Social Security benefits are based on your highest 35 years of earnings. You know, if the Social Security Administration doesn't have the correct record of what you earned, that's going to affect those calculations. Um, so you can request a change to those records within three years and three months and 15 days. I wonder where they got that. I don't know where they got that. Three years, three months, 15 days uh, from the end of the taxable year that those wages were reported to them. So you need to look at your record, look at the last three years, three and a half, four years of, of, of earnings that show up in there. Make sure those are accurate. Because if you wait beyond, you know, a little bit over three years, mm-hmm. then it's permanent. You can't change it. Yeah, so here's the, the takeaway, Steve. Um, you know, you got to take an active role in this, even if you're not um, close to retirement. Go onto the Social Security Administration website. It's ssa.gov. And create an online account. You can see your, your benefit statements. You can also see your earnings records. Um, and you can kind of keep track of it. So again, ssa.gov. Take a look at that. If you have questions on your situation, certainly feel free to reach out to us at info at moneymd.net. Absolutely. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, the prescription is to take a look at your beneficiaries on your accounts. Um, we see this um, issue come up occasionally. You know, life uh, happens. There are divorces, re- getting remarried, and people don't change their beneficiaries on their accounts. And so when they pass away, um, you have money and assets going to people who shouldn't have been on there based on your, your wishes. So when there's a life event or, you know, if you haven't checked that recently, make that a kind of a to-do for uh, the end of 2018 and take a look at your accounts. Because what happens is, is when someone passes away, whatever beneficiary is on there, it bypasses probate and that person is going to get that money. Yeah. And I'll take that a step further and say, make sure you have beneficiaries listed on your, on your after-tax accounts. Um, You can list a beneficiary on a joint account or an individual account um, by making it a TOD, transfer on death, so you can make a beneficiary listing, and you also should have contingent beneficiaries listed on everything, not just primary, but list contingent. Um, you know, that way, if you don't change it or somebody predeceases you, uh, you know, right before or somebody dies at the same time, you know, spouses can die together or pretty much. So you, you want to make sure you have contingents listed and you have beneficiaries listed on everything that you possibly can. That's a great prescription of the week. Okay, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVistor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.